You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hi, everyone. Julie here. On this episode, Bridget and I will be talking with our very own Jennifer Chaplin of Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. I have had the honor of working closely with Jennifer the past few years and watching her develop into a bold leader, champion of women and diversity, all while becoming a new mom. Jennifer is an inspiration to all and a true representation of our family values. We also have Deborah Brenner, founder of Women of the Vine and Spirits, joining us. Deborah tells us all about her journey and the sponsors that helped her along the way. Both women are fearless and bold leaders that are determined to drive diversity in the beverage industry. Hear their passionate stories and learn how we can all do our part to share power, open the door, and let others shine. Sit back, grab your favorite drink, and listen to their stories. On today's episode, I'm really excited to introduce Jennifer and Deborah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Wonderful. So, you know, um, you both have been in the beverage industry for quite some time. And something that I always say is like, you know, you don't always find the beverage industry, but the beverage industry definitely finds you. And once you're in, you either love it or not so much, right? And so what I'd love to know from each of you is how did you enter the beverage world? And either uh, of you can start. Okay, I'll start. Um, so I think, Bridget, what you said is so true. Um, the beverage world did find me. Um, I was pretty much born into this industry. Um, my family has been in the wine and spirits industry um, for so many, so many years. And my dad is the CEO of Southern Glazers right now. My grandpa Harvey is the chairman. And um, so really my whole life, I've been part of this industry growing up at family dinners, you know, hearing bits and pieces about kind of what's, bit, what's going on. And, and I, it always sparked my interest. I ended up working or trying to become an actress prior to getting involved in the industry, um, went to NYU Tisch, worked for a talent agency, William Morris Endeavor, ended up coming back to Miami, starting with the, the family business and kind of just fell in love and realized I never wanted to leave. So I feel like once it um, taps you on the shoulder, there's no looking back. Especially, it's such an aggressive industry too, right? And so we put so much energy and time into it. That's why you either you really love it or not so much. So I'm glad exactly. that you fell in love with the industry. And it makes me sad a little yeah. bit that you're not an actress. Do you do some um, <laughs> and, and do um, do any recreational acting or no, thing for no. fun? 
No, I, um, for fun, I play the piano, play the guitar, um, but no acting. Um, I like to say, though, that my, my education in being an actress helps, helps me a lot with what I do. You know, whenever we have presentations or um, anything really with suppliers or customers or anything like that, you know, I'm never nervous. I love getting in front of people. I love talking to people. I love interacting with people. So that it has helped me definitely in what I do today. And That's filming for sure with the commercials. But how did I never know <laughs> about this musical talent you have? You're bringing the guitar next time. Julie, come on. <laughs> there will great. be a part two to this show for sure. If there's yes. a guitar involved. Absolutely. Um, yeah. that, Deborah, what about you? You know, what really brought you into the industry and made you stay? Well, it's really interesting because I actually worked in the high-end technology. And talk about actress, I worked in technology used for film and television studios. Oh, my God. So, wow. <laughs> so that was my background right when I got out of college. And um, But, you know, it was... Um, the high-end tech sector then back in 1988 and the early 90s, very, very male-dominated. And I love the industry, but after many years, um, I got very frustrated with, you know, uh, the culture and everything of the industry and, and being the only, uh, mostly, usually being the only female in the room. Um, I always had a passion for wine. It came from my travels because I traveled a lot as a young person. And... Um, and I loved just being drawn to the agriculture side, even though I'm in New York, just out of New York City. I didn't, I wasn't born in the family into the industry, but I had a love for agriculture. I don't know why. Um, and so I decided um, to leave my corporate tech job and pursue my passion in wine. And I took a trip to Napa and I found out how male dominated Napa was, but there were all these amazing women behind the brands that I had no idea. This was in 2004. And so I came back to New York and I had this crazy idea that I was going to write a book about these women trailblazing. And that's, it got published and it was called Women of the Vine. So um, when, like you said, Jennifer, it taps you on the shoulder. Once I interviewed these amazing women and heard their stories, I was bitten by the bug and there was no way I was going back. Love that. I do too. Um, Jennifer, can you tell me what you love most about our industry? There's so many things, but I think um, one thing I love is the fact that I get to work with my family every day. Um, it's really, really special to be able to work with my dad, my brothers, and my cousins, and seeing the passion, dedication, and drive that they all have really inspires me. And I think you know, working with other family-owned suppliers as well. I'm, I, I constantly feel like I'm part of their family when I call them. I call the cousin, the uncles, you know, the dad. So it's really nice to be part of such a big family. Like I feel like this industry is a family and it's such a small industry too. Um, and then I think working with brands and seeing them come to life, some brands that we've been a part of, you know, from the beginning, or I've been a part of, you know, just launching them and seeing them grow is really exciting, exciting to me. And, and really every day is different. You never know what you're going to get. There could be fire drills. There could be smooth sailing days. I think that um, part of this job is just you never know what the day is going to bring. And it's always exciting. It is always exciting. I think that's, I love what you just said that you, we just don't know what we're going to expect 
on a daily basis, basically with this industry, because I have to tell you my family as well. We, we have a long lineages of being within the beverage industry. And yet my mom and dad still do not understand what the heck I do every single day. <laughs> it's different every day to the point where my brother calls me Chandler Bing as a nickname because <laughs> nobody knows what he does oh on God. friends. Yeah. I love friends. <laughs> I, do too. No, I do too. It is a dynamic. It's a very dynamic industry. So keeps it, keeps it fun. Yeah, keeps Absolutely. it fresh, keeps it fresh every day. Deborah, what about you? You know, what do you love most? What really uh, pulls at your heart and keeps you in this industry? You know, for me, what I fell in love with was the people. Um, like Jennifer said, I, you know, I came from, from tech, so very highly competitive industry, you know, moving very quickly. Um, and as much as the wine industry, the spirits, beer, you know, alcohol, beverage as a whole is very competitive and it's globally competitive. There's still, because at the heart of it, it starts with agriculture and there are so many family members and the lineage of the history of some of the families. There's just this incredible um, camaraderie. And I think that was what struck me the most was we can compete, but then we can come together at a table and all eat and drink together as a family. And so I fell in love. It's so true. There is a yeah. lot of eating and drinking, that's for sure. <laughs> that's the best part. Yep, that's a good part. <laughs> that's the best part. You know, I had a, I had a winemaker tell me one time, um, behind every great wine, there's a great person. And I think it's so true. Yeah. And, and I think it applies to spirits as well. And, and we are always wanting to know, what's the story? What's the story of the brand? And there are so many incredible stories. Well, like you said, Bridget, this is, uh, it's a tough business. And my husband is a restaurateur. So uh, I always joke, like, how did we end up being where I was, I'm doing this. And, and before I started the organization, for those that don't know, um, I got bitten by the bug with the book. And then I had the crazy idea of starting the first female consortium of female winemakers. Uh, and so I was doing all the sales and marketing for a group of women winemakers in Napa, Sonoma, and Paso Robles under the umbrella Women of the Vine. And it's, it's hard enough to grow and make wine, but man, it's hard to sell it. <laughs> and that was my part. And so we used to joke, here's he's the restaurant and I'm out doing wine sales. And we said, you know, it's, it's, but when you love what you do and you're passionate about it, that's why we don't mind, you know, working mm -hmm. so hard for it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Can you tell us a, a bit about the woman of the vine? Like, you know, I, from what you're saying, it, it sounds like it really sprung from your book and developed into something so incredibly big and fantastic for women um, all around the country and around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about how did that happen? Uh, absolutely. So like I said, the book was the catalyst. That was, um, I was still working in the tech industry while I was writing it. Um, once it got published, that's when I took the leap of faith and I said, okay, um, I do, if, if I have a moment to share a quick little story about it. Um, so my book came out the end of 2006 in time for the holidays. 
at that time, um, there wasn't a lot of talk about women behind some of the brands and women in leadership roles in the industry. And through a family member, they knew Mel Dick from uh, Southern. At that time, it was Southern Wine and Spirits, not Glaciers, um, uh, part of the family. And um, so this, this friend of ours uh, called Mel and said, um, you know, would you meet with her? Mel graciously agreed for me to come into the city. And I don't even think I sat down. I remember walking into the St. Regis Hotel and he was having a, a cup of green tea and I showed him my book and started talking and he picked up his cell phone and he said, I'm sitting here with this Hamish girl and she's on to something. She's doing this thing about women and wine. Um, I'm going to send her down. And the next thing I know, he goes, hey, kid, get in a taxi. You're going down to meet uh, Marvin Schenken from Wine Spectator. And I do have to say that, you know, for people that don't know Mel from Southern Glaciers, I mean, he was the one that actually was the first person to design the wine by the glass, where we could actually taste more wine, sell more wine, right? I mean, that was like, nobody, nobody thought of that before. Right. So when he said, I'm sitting here with this, you know, this Hamish girl and she's on to something, he just had that vision. This was before. Um, so that that I was just, you know, absolutely amazed. And um, and so from there um, and by the way, I do have to say I got in the taxi and called my parents and said, what does Hamish mean? <laughs> Because even though I'm Jewish, I didn't know I didn't know Yiddish. You know, <laughs> it's actually a really good thing. It's it's a very endearing term <laughs> for those out there who don't know it. Um, so um, from there, I got together with several women in the book that I wrote about, and I said, "What about this idea that we join forces and raise awareness for women by starting this consortium, and you all produce wine, and I'll go out there and and promote you and promote the stories, promote the book, and sell the wine." And that's what we did. Um, and then, um, but ultimately, after about seven years, financially it wasn't doing well, um, and um, but. The real thing is it didn't actually fulfill my vision, which was to champion women in the industry, to advocate for women. It, it just didn't equate to the message in the bottle. So it was time to give up that and unleash, you know, the, the genie from the bottle, I like to say, and, um, and start over and reinvent myself. And over those years of being out there, People used to say to me all the time, my mom's a woman of the vine. My sister's a woman of the vine. My cousin's a woman of the vine. So I'm like, hmm, what is this? Um, so I decided, um, especially seeing some of the struggles for women. Um, and um, so seeing some of the struggles and the lack of a support and the lack of advocating for more diversity and inclusion I decided to organize the first organization, membership organization, and started a conference and to bring in our sisters of spirits and beer. And so hence, Women of the Vine and Spirits was born. That's amazing. How many years in is Women of the Vine? So Women of the Vine and Spirits, uh, our first conference was 2015. So we're now five years. 
we really pioneered while I was um, looking to organize it in 2014. Uh, there wasn't a lot of talk about, you know, uh, diversity, inclusion, empowerment. Um, it was, you know, prior to the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. prior to the Black Lives movement. So uh, we were really, you know, there ahead of it, which gave us a tremendous advantage because when these things started rolling out publicly in other industries, we were already there to support the alcohol beverage industry. That's a that's amazing. You know, I don't think a lot of our listeners probably realize the impact and the importance that Women of the Vine plays, you know, um, within our industry. So I just want to thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. I think that that's wonderful. Uh, Jennifer, what programs do you feel are really important um, to position women in the industry in leadership roles, you know, and, and why? So I feel like there's a lot of great programs out there in our industry, one of which is Women of the Vine and Spirits. So um, Deborah, thank you again, you know, from me as well. And Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits is a founding member, as you mentioned, Mel has been involved from the very beginning and he is a, an amazing champion for women at our company so we're very lucky to to have him and be a, him to be a part of everything that's going on and also uh um the wswa has a women leadership council that is something that it brings women together to empower members and industry leaders which is something that um, I haven't been to yet. I was planning on going before COVID hit, but everyone tells me that it's an amazing event in Washington. Julie, did you go? Yeah, I went. It is it is fantastic. And just so everybody knows, the WSWA is the uh, Wine and Spirits Wholesalers of America. Um, but yes, um, very great program. And it was it's so nice to be right there at the Capitol and, and learn about all the wonderful work they do and all led yeah. by women leaders with with Michelle and Catherine. So, yeah. Um, and then at Southern Glazers, we have some amazing programs that I'm so proud of and so proud to be a part of. We have our cheers, our national cheers footprint, which we have 10 chapters that are cheers to women. We also have worked with the WSWA and partnered on um, Columbia University Business School program, which is called Women in Leadership, Expanding Influence and Leading Change. Um, this is the second year we have been a part of that program. The first year was 2019, which I was uh, lucky to be a part of with Julie. Um, and we were able to really network with other distributors and other women from other distributors, which Deborah, as you mentioned, you know, we're all in this together and it was an amazing opportunity to meet other women. There was, you know, no competition in the room when we were together. It was, it was really all, um, everyone was just so sweet and just kind of was working to the same goal. Um, so, you know, we have that that we have as well as I've, I'm working on a women in leadership program at Southern Glazers. We were able to have our first program in February. I think I was 38 weeks pregnant and it was right before the pandemic. So we were extremely lucky to have that kickoff of the women in leadership program, which I'm working with a, an amazing team at Southern Glazers to put together our second, third and fourth, hopefully program coming up in 2021 hopefully it'll be on zoom so we've been diligently putting together a program that will help really empower women at southern glazers to have a seat at that table because 
that's extremely important for me to make sure that I'm helping everyone at our company and every, every woman that wants a seat at the table to have that opportunity to get it. And Jennifer, I also just want to say, you know, thank you to Southern Glacier's generosity, because not only did Southern Glacier's come on as a founding member, what that means is that they were the first, you know, people I called when I had this idea of putting Women of the Binding Spirits as a membership organization together. And, um, you know, they, I figured uh, Southern Glaciers, they, they, Mel and Steve Slater, and they've been around, they knew everybody. If they were, if they thought it was a bad idea, they tell me. If they thought it was a good idea and they got behind it, maybe I get their support. And so they were the first actually um, corporate member to come on board. Uh, but they also, because of my, my passion, like Jennifer, you're saying about bringing more women and having a seat at the table, I also started the um, Women of the Vine and Spirits Foundation, which is our charitable arm, our 501c3. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they pledged the first donation for three years uh, and said, we'll get you started. And so that was the way in 2017, we awarded four scholarships to deserving women. This September, just uh, two months ago, we awarded 42 to deserving candidates. Yes. So um, wonderful. It's growing. That's wonderful. <laughs> Did you say 40, 40? 42. 42. 42. Oh, so we started just in three years. We started 2017 with giving out our first, um, you know, four, and then it started growing. Um, we brought in other donors, which has been amazing. Um, Ian Jake Gallo Winery came in as a patron donor, um, and they've pledged. We had many other donors that I, I just am so grateful for their generosity. Um, but but like I said, Southern Glaciers, I, I knew it was something we needed to do. Um, and they were kind enough to, to kind of help, help me get it started. It always takes the first, right? And then, and then we can show what we can do. And, and I've got to tell you, the diversity of the candidates has been amazing to see. So um, this is a way that we are going to also um, help get a more diversity in the alcohol beverage industry is by, you know, getting more women uh, from the outside to look at us as a a real um, great career path. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's so many layers to our industry. You know, we're definitely not just um, flat. There's just so much um, to do. And there's so many opportunities that that diversity, I mean, we should absolutely look just like our customers and our communities. And I think that we're well on our way um, to achieving this in big ways, which is terribly exciting. Um, Jennifer, I have a quick, I have a question um, for you and for Deborah, mm-hmm. but let's, let's start with Jennifer over here um, because we're on the topic of diversity. What more can we be doing, you know, as an industry as a whole? So including the trade um, to drive diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging Yeah. That's a big question. Yeah. No, I think, listen, I think um, I've been working at Southern, Southern Glazers for almost four years now. So for me, what I've seen, um, you know, for those four years, I've seen that we've come a long, long way. We still have a long way to go. But I think that um, the amount that I hear 
people discuss diversity and inclusion and women and 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 everything that encompasses all of those those things is so much more than when I first started at the company. I think that it's it's extremely top of mind. I think you know everyone is aware everybody wants this to happen and everybody wants to be a part of it so i think that's a plus i think that um we always need more male um you know more of our male counterparts to be advocates for us i think you know and i i said this when we spoke before is i think that you know we've all been to you know part of these discussions all of us on the phone know how important this is but if we don't have um the backing and the male um advocates for us we're we're not going to go anywhere we need their help and i think that there has been a lot of men that have been supportive and that i see at southern glazers that are super you know you know super involved in cheers and super involved they go to they go to women of the vine and spirits and they attend conferences and all of that but i think that there's always room to grow and we always have to talk to that 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 guy or whoever it might be that maybe doesn't really understand where we're coming from or they they think that we we do feel included all the time and really even for me there's been meetings where i'm the only woman on the zoom or the only woman in the room and um you know it's intimidating i think that it just that just kind of is how it is when you're the only woman or only whatever it might be in that group of people so i think that i think it's really important that whoever has or is holding the power in that room or in that zoom like passes the power to someone else in that room because that's um i think that's a sign of ultimate power is sharing it um and for me i think you know i've had a lot of advocates and mentors that have done that for me they've just like left the door open a jar a little bit and i've been able to push it open more and more and feel more and more comfortable um speaking up and speaking out so i think we just need more people to to be advocates for women and and to help us along the way because sometimes we need that door to be just a little jar and then yeah. we can you know Yes, I'm Absolutely. so glad that you said that because that's really, really important. I mean, what is um, diversity and inclusion without including including everybody? My exactly. goodness, you know we we need um, we need to support each other as men and women. If you're you know, in order to get ahead and to learn from as well. Yeah, I mean, I think inclusion is is it's diversity and inclusion, right? You need both. You need a diverse. workforce diverse people um but you also need everyone to feel included and mm -hmm. if they don't feel included um it's really not going to the, the whole diverse part of the situation isn't going to no one's going to benefit from it because they're not going to speak up we're not going to speak up i'm not going to speak up and really that's what we want we as you said we want we want our company to look like our customers and our suppliers and and that's really going to get us where we need to go Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just have to say like everything Jennifer with about the diversity, right? If it's not inclusive, it doesn't work. Right. Um and the thing is that diversity is the only thing diversity is the the only pathway to equality because if you just have one homogenous group that is making the rules or the laws, the others are going to be left out. and to your point you know with women of the vine and spirits from the day one 
we, and like I said, just from day one for the people that I called, right? You can imagine the people I was calling in 2014 to get them to get on board with what we were doing. Um, those were senior leaders, right? Well, those senior leaders were mostly all men. So I just have to commend all of those men that when I picked up the phone in 2014 and said, will you support this? Will you get behind this? Because, you know, change starts at the top. And like I said, there, you know, there, a lot of that senior executive team were, were male, but it was very important, like Jennifer said, that Women of the Mind and Spirits could not just be a group of women talking to women. We've been doing that for decades and decades and decades. And no change will ever happen until we come together. And when we come together, it's, it's, it's what creates the yin and the yang. And that's what creates the harmony, right? right. Is that we bring our strengths and our traits and our things together. And to your point, Jennifer, it's not power over, it's power with. And so that has been, I think, one of the things that has made us grow so quickly. Because people say, how do women of the vine and spirits, you know, grow so fast over the last few years. And it is because of the high engagement of our male uh, senior leaders, our female and everybody in between. From, we leave no one behind from entry level start to middle and all the way up. It's, you know, really everybody. Um, and we're all three um, in three tiers. So our members are every industry sector from wholesaler to just, you know, the importer, suppliers, legal. It's really important if we're going to elevate an industry that all industry players are involved. Definitely. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that, Deborah. And, and the fact that, you know, Women of the Vine and Spirits is so inclusive to men and women, Right. And, and I did want to clarify when I emailed you, like, wait, it is for guys, too, because I <laughs> yes. just posted it on our internal yes. social site that guys join, too, because I think as, you know, being at being um, in this industry, you know, for over 10 years, I've also seen it develop. And in the beginning when we really, and I think it was maybe about eight years ago that there was still like a lot of work, like, OK, we need to start our women's groups and but there was also some divisiveness because the guys weren't allowed because it was like, no, just women, we're having our own meeting. And, and, and I think that that, you know, in hindsight, that was really not a great approach because then the guys started feeling excluding. And, and, and I see a lot of that even now, you know, is that we want to make sure that everybody's included and we need the advocacy. Uh, we need the male advocates and um, in our partners at home, and and at work and it's so important that we're all equal and and um and that we use we lean on their power to help in certain ways and then we do that as well you know as women and and we bring them in when we can um but the question i want to ask for you guys because i think it's something that gets tossed around is you know how important is it for young women and and any woman to have a mentor um, and or a sponsor and and what are your thoughts and, and Jennifer we will start with you of You know, what's the difference between the two? Do you think there's a difference and how has mentorship and sponsorship helped you and what what would you? Suggest for the next woman that's that's in that position. I have a couple of mentors 
um, that have really helped me along the way. And I continue to reach out to people in the industry and in our company to um, learn about their careers and, and continue to pick up mentors where I can, because I think it's extremely important. There's um, a woman in our department who's an SVP now, and I think it's amazing to have her and to really lean on her whenever I have questions and, and look to her to see what the possibilities are at our company and in our industry and, and con- to continue to grow. Um, I think that it's also important that males are mentors and sponsors to females um, because I think that also opens a lot of doors as well. Um, and I have um, someone that I'm thinking about that has helped me, you know, to really um, pass that power to me whenever there's been a presentation or, or something that um, he's asked me, you know, do you want to, do you want to present a couple of these slides? And that's, you know, that's been incredible to um, have that support and have someone that really believes in me and believes in my ability to ask me to be a part of these presentations or whatever it might be. So I think, I think, whenever you can reach out to someone that you look to and you think, wow, you know, I want to be like them or I think their work ethic is incredible and they're so smart. And um, if I could just be or learn a little bit from them, that's, you know, that's what I look for in the people that I want to associate myself with and talk more, talk to and learn from. So I think having a mentor and having a sponsor is, is an incredible and important part of, you know, your career and your journey. Yeah. And, and I like your approach. I think it's really about reaching out to those people that you find something like, Hey, I want, I want to learn a little bit from you. Cause I think there's also a way that people get so caught up in a formal mentorship. Like I need a mentor, but there's people everywhere. And I know Jen, you and I had that conversation that a mentor, somebody that you're met could be somebody that might be in a lesser position than you or a lateral, but there's so much to learn from different perspectives. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think um, something that I've been doing recently is just been reaching out to a bunch of different people to learn kind of about their positions and their roles, whether it be at Southern Glazers or companies we work with or suppliers to to get to know people on, um, you know, more personal level too, because sometimes you work with someone all the time and you don't really get to know them. So that's also been something that has helped me um, more recently as well. That, that's Absolutely. so true. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so true. It's like when you, I, I think that um, we can't be afraid to ask that question to somebody that we admire or see as a role model. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, can you spend some time with me? Can you mentor me? I know I did that with Tony Abaganum, who's my mentor. And I, mm-hmm. but I, I did it by chasing him around with a cocktail menu that I'd found somewhere in <laughs> Vegas and be like, I want to learn how to make all of these. Will you teach me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like wore him down and then he yeah. was my mentor, but whatever, whatever works, you know, whatever yeah. works, but it doesn't have to be so formal. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, Jennifer, that mentorship is, is about uh, learning skills. Right. And that's why, you know, having people that you admire um, where a lot of women don't take the next step is having the courage to ask to be sponsored. And that, that biggest, you know, when you're mentored, even like you say, informally, it's, it's more of an exchange of information, knowledge, and, and gaining confidence. But the sponsorship is actually um, 
I mean, let me just put it out there for people to think about. When was the last time that you went in for a performance review and um, you told your boss, uh, I'd like to, to get to a leadership position. How can I get there? And how can you help me get there? You know, um, when I talk to a lot of women in, you know, in our organization, our community, um, it always makes them stop and pause for a bit and say, you know what, I don't think I've had that conversation. And it's like, well, if that's where you'd like to see, number one, you need, they need to know that you have that desire because not everybody has to, right? And, and not everybody, you know, wants to go in that path. But if that's your desire, you need to let them know. And then the sponsorship part comes in, can you help me get there? What do I need to do? And that's, that's, I think, sometimes that we just, we're so, as, as women, sometimes it's always, you know, how am I performing? How am I doing? Where we forget to say, you know, like you said, Jennifer, how did she become the SVP? And that's a lot of what we do at Women in the Vine and Spirits. We have an entire C-suite um, um, series that we bring in senior uh, female leaders and the whole live chat with our members is, how'd you get there? What does it take to get there? I will tell you one of the biggest things that, um, of why women don't necessarily get to the C-suite is a lack of understanding in a, a P&L and to run operations. Uh, that's the biggest thing that we hear from women leaders is that, you know, um, so... If that's something you aspire to, it's so easy to ask to, to learn that, right? And to get help with that. But those are the two things, operations and P&L, that really is important um, for, for getting into some of the senior roles for people that desire it. I also just want to say one thing, because we keep talking about women, which is what we're here for, right? But recently, um, People forget that, like you said, we're here for all women and we don't want, we don't exclude anybody. So when we say women, that also means people of color, Asian, you know, Hispanic, Latino, uh, LGBTQ, all women. And, um, and that's where I would just want people to understand that, you know, the work that Cheers is doing, the work that Women of the Vine and Spirits are doing, we don't have separate groups. It's again, fully inclusive. So it's not just our male counterparts that we embrace, but it's, it's the diversity within women. So when you get a survey and it says check male or female, that's not enough for us at Women of the Vine and Spirits because what I wanna say is, are you a new mom? Are you Hispanic? Are you like, no mom. Yep. <laughs> like there's so many layers to a human being and our experiences of what we're having. So you can't just put it all in one box. So when we work with, you know, and have our groups and stuff with women, we are having the discussion about every, everything with, you know, people of color and with LGBTQ. We just started our Pride Alliance. We started our other groups. But I just want to make sure we point that out because I think sometimes um, it, can, um, it can get left 
left out from really understanding that inclusivity and diversity is across the board. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, with the really working towards and, and me personally committing to gender equality with all of our women leadership and really empowering the next generation of women and, and helping everybody move up into leadership. Um, and then with the recent times with the racial unrest and, and really taking a look back and say, how much have I really helped and contributed? You know, and I think that you can't be for gender equality if you're not for racial equality you know, um, in, in all regards, diverse equality, right? So I think it's really important that that's top of mind. And I, I really commend you um, at Women of the Vine and Spirits to have that conversation. It's not enough just to say, we want to bring women to the table. We need to dive deeper. And within diversity, and, and we do with our Cheers for Diversity as well at, at Southern is, at Southern Glazers is, um, talking about dis disabled, you know, individuals, veterans, um, you know, diversity is so broad and it's so important that if people want to be a part of something that they feel that they're included. Absolutely, Julian. One of the things that we didn't even touch on is the, the, the facts, the statistics that diversity and inclusion is good for the bottom line. I mean, there, it's not just because it's, it's the right thing to do as, as a human race, uh, you know, and, and my personal feelings, but even if you don't feel that way as a business leader, diversity has been proven and there are studies and studies out there. You can look at McKinsey and company, you can have, look at Catalyst. I have, and, you have, I have a fact, Deborah. companies okay. are 21% more likely to outperform their peers when they are diverse. Look at you. Right there. <laughs> Absolutely. There we go. 21%. That yes. is huge. That's Double a, digits. That's huge. Yeah. That's it's, not, it is huge. That yep. is huge. And I think that, um, you know, everybody here has mentioned also the most important part when we talk about the LGBTIA is the, the B in the diversity inclusion and belonging. We yes. can be as diverse as you want to be, but if no one feels like they belong, it doesn't matter, right? Absolutely. So um, I think that I can tell you just, obviously I work with Southern Glaciers. We're definitely doing an amazing job for, with the belonging piece. And we're seeing it across the board as well as the industry, more and more thoughtfulness and um, more meaningful ways to make sure that everybody feels like they're part of the team. And in a safe Absolutely. space, which is very cool. Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at statistics like how few women are creative directors in major agencies, right? And yet we're the largest consumer um, and control the largest amount of money, um, you know, per capita. But exactly what you talk about, the belonging. And, but if, if people don't feel safe to speak up, then diversity loses. So there's often things, even in our own alcohol beverage industry, and not using any specific examples, but we've all seen campaigns, promotions, and even launches of new products that have gone horribly wrong because they either appear to be tone deaf, they uh, did the 
the pinking, you know, of let's make this uh, towards women and we'll just, you know, make it pink. Um, they didn't understand uh, a certain sector of the community. Maybe they handled something with Pride Month um, wrong. And I always kind of wonder to myself, who designed these campaigns in isolation? Why wouldn't you go and speak to some of your LGBTQ group and ask them before you launch a campaign for pride? Why won't you go to your People of Color Alliance and your groups and say, you know, what do you think of us doing something? How do we make a statement about Black Lives Matter? I admit, I'm a white woman. I need to ask them before I do things. That's what makes the diversity in those, in, in our, and it leads to creativity and innovation. Because if you could provide that safe space, you are gonna outperform your competitors that don't do it. Who, what business person wouldn't wanna do that? <laughs> so that's where I like to really talk about the business case for diversity and inclusion. Because it, it, it's just, if you're in a P&L responsible position, why wouldn't you want to raise your bottom line? And as easy as putting and hiring and elevating and listening to diverse people, you will succeed over others. It's proven. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought it up. And I'm so glad, Jennifer, that you had the, act, the facts <laughs> because we can't not talk about that. We can't not talk about the fact that the qualities that make us a woman are proven to show really good business results, right? So it's not about being less like a woman and being more like a man so that we can get to this level. It's embracing the qualities we bring as a woman, the qualities we bring as a man, as an individual, and, and maximizing that. Um, but while we're on that topic, I'd be remiss not to talk about one of the biggest topics when it comes to women um, in the industry and in any industry is motherhood. And <laughs> oh, man. for me, that's so important because I was pregnant as a salesperson. I had my child through this industry. He's now nine years old. Um, he's a part of it. And and one of the misconceptions, and I think it's so important that we bring up, is that young women, and I, and I coach them and I mentor them, and, and they all say, well, I cannot, I'm not having a baby now because I want to focus on my career and I don't want it to stunt my career. And, you know, and, and my message to them, and I just said it to a man that just had a baby this morning, one of our team members, is I would hear those things as well. But after having my son, it literally gave me superpowers. I mean, I became more efficient. Uh, my time management, my leadership skills, my, um, I mean, it's done so much for me. And I learned so much from him that makes me a better person. And I truly believe that's helped me in my career and helped me get to the next level. So I would love your thoughts around it, especially you, Jennifer, because you're a new mother and we've had these conversations before you, you know, had your little boy. So I just want to understand, like, what, what is, what has been your experience so far related to work? And yeah, I mean, Julia, I remember when we had this conversation, we were in a car, California talking, and I was like, I, I can't have a baby right now. I'm, you know, my career is just really going in the right direction. And I really don't want to 
I don't want it to get sidelined. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just, can I curse on this or no? Yes. Yeah, okay. Of course. <laughs> of course you can. Um, like once I got pregnant and I was, you know, this was before COVID really hit and I was traveling and I was going to meetings and, you know, and I basically did that up until I was probably like 37 or no, whenever they tell you to stop flying weeks pregnant, going to these events. And I just felt like a badass basically, you know, um, you know, and I think Julie, when you say you felt kind of like you had superpowers, I think throughout my pregnancy and then after Henry, my son was born. Um, and after I came back to work, you know, I really just feel like I'm doing this for, I'm no longer doing it just for myself anymore. I'm doing it for my son as well as like every other woman at Southern Glazers and in this industry. Um, Because for me, like that is my goal is like to show people that it can be done. It's hard and, you know, it's really hard, but um, there's so much that I never thought I could possibly do that. And now I do with Henry, like I never thought that I could be so tired, but still work. I never thought Mm -hmm. that I could get as much done in a day, as you said, with time management as I do. Um, I never thought I could push myself um, so far, but I realized I can, I have to, Um, there's no, there's no other option. So there is so much that I've learned from being a mom and being a working mom. And I mean, there's so much I still have to learn. I'm only seven months in, but I think that um, it's, really taught me how to never ever give up and even when I'm like at my edge I still have like 15% more that I can give and I think that that's really um one of the lessons there's been a lot of others that I won't get into but um (laughs) you know that that's been a lesson that you know there's there's no giving up there's only pushing pushing harder being stronger being better and not only for me but for my my son, for my husband, for my family, and holding back tears, emotional. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful answer. I want to put that whole answer on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. so good. It is. You, you see, like, so good. you're like, I can't even believe I physically was able to do that, you know? And, yeah. And it's amazing what the power that we have that we don't even know, and it comes out in different ways, you know? And I know that uh, motherhood's not for everybody, but I, I do sometimes feel like it's an elephant in the room in our industry that that we don't want to openly talk about. I think it's changed a lot. And as I've grown in my leadership role, I'm a lot more open and talking about it. But I can tell you for the longest time in the, in the first few years, I'd never brought it up. People would be like, you're married? You have a family? You have a mm-hmm. child? You know, because mm-hmm. I really made a focused effort to keep that separated to show mm-hmm. that I was fully committed in work. And, and then I realized later that actually people want to hear that. And, and all of our leaders, they want to know more about you and your family. And it's really important to, to be open and be your authentic self. And, and if there's something that um, is important to your family, you tell them, you know, that, that this is happening and, and they will support you. Um, but yeah, yeah, Deborah, what what are your thoughts around this topic, and and does it come up a lot in in your seminars and and working with all these um, women in the industry? You know, it really comes up a lot because when you're um, in in most cases when you're involved with women of the vine and spirits, 
um, you're in a safe, supported space. And for the first time in, for conferences and things, like Jennifer talked about being the only woman, well, guess what? The men are the only men. And they, they come to our symposium and they participate and they say, oh my God, is this what it feels like? Because they'll be outnumbered and they're like, now I get to see what it feels like for you. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm surrounded by, you know, 750 women. Um, and I think when you, when you flip the switch, right, of being now um, the minority in the room to be the majority in the room, yes, a lot of the other subjects do come up. And, um, and even when I wrote my book, motherhood was such a big question for me. And the reason for that also is because um, we're in the alcohol beverage industry. So there's also that stigma and depending on what you do in this industry, um, especially if you're in a sales or brand management role, um, it's really hard when, you know, you you can't have those late nights, those, you know, drinking nights that, that you're out with suppliers or, you know, with distributors and you're out with clients and things like that. Um, and I think that's why in our industry, there is that little bit more of, you know, let's not talk about it. The timing's not right. Uh, I think because of just the nature of our business and what, you know, tons of, like I've been to Sobe, you know, tons of festivals, tons of great things, depending on your role that you're in the industry. And, um, and I think that's where uh, a lot of our leaders feel like women are going to drop out and not come back. Right. Because they think, of that. Uh, it's women like Jennifer and others, Julie, you talk about, you know, uh, being role models to other women. Uh, the reason why we're starting our working mom group right now is because we understand just as, you know, our pride group, our wholesale group, our entrepreneur group, working moms have different experiences and things they need to share and learn from each other. And, um, but, I also think when you say about how strong you are and everything, one thing that struck with me that um, a woman told me and, and Jen being a new mom and learning is you don't always have to be perfect. Just be powerful. Mm. I'm, because definitely, I'm definitely not always perfect, but, <laughs> but you are powerful. powerful. Because <laughs> it, there's not enough time in the day to do both. Yeah. And, you know, and I also think that, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about women and finding spirits is um, as leaders, you're a role model. So if you're going to take a day off, take the day off because your team is looking to see if you're texting or emailing them. So that's also very important for women is to understand that if it set that leadership tone. I tell my team all the time, especially with my husband in the restaurant business, I spent a, a ton of holidays and weekends by myself because he was working the restaurant till you know, one in the morning. I said, if I do an email, it's because I'm catching up or I'm doing it, you know, because mm -hmm. I want to, I don't expect you to reply. So I, I always make sure that they understand that um, I'm not 
I'm not leading by example if I if I expect them to to do that. So I think we we do need to help our um, our team find that work life balance. Um, we set that tone for them as leaders. Absolutely. I think there's this really wonderful, magical word called no, that we, you know, tend to not use as much as we should as females. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that my daughter's 17 and I've had to learn it the hard way throughout the years for sure. But I do make sure that I say no when she has a dance recital, right? No, when she has something <laughs> awesome. No, not no to not going to the dance recital. Although if I never go to one of those again, too, it's fine. I'm <laughs> not going to listen to this, but I've been to a hundred of them. But, you know, but knowing when to tell, you know, my job, like, no, I, she comes first. And yeah. then the people around me see like, oh, she's taking time. Oh, I can't contact her on this Monday because she's at Page of School volunteering, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then it really does help to further create the culture of making that okay, making that okay and, and creating that space. So yeah. I, I really have embraced the word no. Yeah. So, no <laughs> I still I, have I, to it, learn that better. <laughs> it, it is, um, me too. It is about being, um, it's, it's very open. And I think too is that women don't own the challenges of motherhood, you know, or, or having a child. I mean, I see the men, I see my colleagues that struggle with it as well. And, and sometimes they struggle in a different way and just as intense because there is no expectation um, from, there is a bigger expectation from them to be away from their homes. Right. And, and I think that it needs to be talked about more because the more we're in this striving to live in an equal um, opportunity environment, it me, it's more than ever that we need an equal partner. I know I've been successful in my career and a lot of that has to do with my husband, with Ross, because we are equal partners, you know, and, and he helps so much and, and, and is so uh, present with our son and which has allowed me to travel and, and do all of, you know, the, the great things that I love, um, but also take me away. So I think really having that conversation and not just focused on women, it's, it's the men in our company as well. A lot of them, young parents having, um, having young kids, but, but also, you know, one thing you brought up, Deborah, and, and this is something coming from my own experiences, is this idea that we have to be out at night, right? And in, in the beverage alcohol industry, because that's when all the magic happens. That is the best time to be out. Um, but, you know, there is a thing, day drinking, no. So not, not about day drinking, <laughs> but when I was in sales and, you know, actually probably within the first couple months I started at Southern, I got pregnant. So, and, and I was an active salesperson running one of the biggest routes in South Beach. And I did it for three years with an infant and I managed my time and I was so lucky. I had a really great manager that was also a mother and she was so supportive. Jessica Riggio Baldo, I'm going to give her a shout out, but you know, she understood and she's like, I want you to give your best a hundred percent every day and you manage your time. So I made sure that I was out up until, you know, my customer started their shift, right? I was there sitting with them, having business conversations, locking in business, getting them all their service needs. And then once it was six o'clock, I was at home with my baby. I wasn't out, you know, I mean, once in a while I would do events and 
I proved to be very successful in that way, right? Some people want to do their business after hours and that's how they network. So it's, I think the idea is making sure that you put in a hundred percent and don't worry about what the norm is, what the expectation is, but what works for you, for your family and bringing 200% to the table because we have to, you know, to I be think, set apart, you have to do more. I think that's something I realized since having Henry as well is before Henry, I think I had um, a lot of time to think about what other people were doing after hours or after work, where they were going or, or whatever it might be. And I think that now, um, I think like you said, Julie, I don't have time to worry about that stuff. I don't have time to feel not included in that stuff because it is what it is. I, I don't have time to be worrying about that kind of mm -hmm. stuff anymore. You know, mm -hmm. I have to focus on, sometimes you have to focus on yourself and where you want to go. And that ha should be um, one of your top concerns is just making sure you're doing your work and you're getting everything done that you need to get done. And, mm -hmm. and the socializing is extremely important, but that's something that can happen later at, or at another time. Yeah. And that works for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, what is the value that you're bringing the, to the table, regardless of what time it is? I mean, some people like to wake up at five in the morning and, and knock off, you know, three, you know, three hours of the workday and, and that's okay. So right. um, we're so lucky in this industry because time is flexible and, and it is really a 24 hour business, you know, and, and you pick and choose when you're going to be the most productive. And you bring up the biggest point for the number one thing that women say would help them thrive in all industries is flexibility. Number one. So Julie, you know, you bring up such a, a, a important, I, I am hoping um, that the silver lining for COVID is that it has proven to um, companies and employers and managers that um, you can, you know, work remotely successfully and that you can uh, also be flexible, that it's getting done. Um, it's still a very tough thing for a lot of managers depending on the type of job that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but what I really hope is that we don't just go back, as they say, I want to go back to the normal. Well, I think that there's some positive things, especially for women, um, that is coming out of this. Um, and I think that we're going to see that companies are really going to be able to um, help women thrive more. Because to your point, having a child, you know, if, if Henry's napping, you could do something that, you know, when he's awake, you know, when he's going to go to sleep at night. So you can start thinking about your day, Julie, to your point with the restaurant, my husband always liked his sales reps to come in later in the evening. So he would get the dinner rush going. And then like around nine 30, he was ready to sit down himself, have a glass of wine and that, but we had a, a female sales rep like you with a, an infant. She would go home, spend her time with, with the family, put the infant to bed, and then knew, hey, I get to go have a glass of wine with Jack at 930. Oh, I would do that right? too. <laughs> so 
When you have that wow. flexibility, right? It's like, that's not so bad, right? Because you're ready for a glass of wine at 930 at night. He, you know, your customer, that's what he prefers, you know? So that's where I think um, also as women advocating for other women is to have these discussions and let other women know, you know, did you ask for that? Did you, you know, let people know that flexibility could you know, be the game changer for your productivity. I love that. Well, I think that that's a great spot to end the episode and something to think about for sure. And I love that being flexible. Did you hear that everyone, all of our listeners? (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Flexibility helps productivity. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I want to thank you both for being on Served Up. Today was really thrilling. We learned so much about our industry and about the both of you. And I do hope that you'll come back. I would love Definitely. to. Definitely. Love to have you back. And I want to wish you both um, peace as well as great health and to just stay safe out there. And just thank you so much for being on the show. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you guys Thanks, so much. Ladies. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers.